Shalom, this is Reverend John Ferret, and you're going to find that there are many religious Jewish people today that recite Psalm 67 on a regular basis at this time of the year, at this time between Passover and the coming of the Feast of Shavuot. In English, we know it as Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of 50 Days. It's between Passover, which is the barley harvest, that's the first grain that matures in Israel in Jesus' day, for instance, and then the wheat harvest, which is Pentecost. So let's read Psalm 67 from the New American Standard. Now, many of your Bibles might actually include the introduction. The introduction says, For the choir director with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. Mine doesn't. In the New American Standard I have, they show that this is an introduction and it's really not part of the psalm. So really the psalm starts with, in terms of verse 1, God be gracious to us and bless us. So that's where I'm going to start. I'm not going to read the introduction because that really is not part of the original psalm. Psalm 67, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah that your way may be, be, may be known on the earth and your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with a brightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all of the ends of the earth may fear him. Now, it so happens that Psalm 67 has seven verses, not counting that beginning again, and 49 words. Now, if you go to the website, www.lightofmenorah.org, and Light of Menorah, treat it as one word. Menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H, lightofmenorah.org, and you go there and you find the picture for this session you will see a picture of Psalm 67, and you'll see it in English and in Hebrew on the right-hand side, and you'll be able to count the Hebrew words. Now, in a couple of places, you're going to see uh, it looks like um, a Hebrew word hyphenated. There's, those are actually two Hebrew words. So you have to take the little hyphen out. There's no hyphen in grammar in... Uh, biblical Hebrew. So there are 49 distinct Hebrew words. Now, it has seven distinct verses, and some Jews say that Psalm 67 is the psalm of the menorah, the menorah that was in the tabernacle, God's command about the menorah, and the seven branches of the menorah. But Psalm 67 also is used at this time of the year because of the command of the Lord. And this is in Leviticus 23, 9 through 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Now a sheaf uh, is a good English word to describe a standing collection of wheat or grain or barley. 
you've seen them before. You've seen the harvest of a wheat field, and you see these standing collections of grain that are tied together, and they stand up like little grain men all over uh, the the field. That's a sheaf. So you'll bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, one year old, without defect, for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall then be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma, with its drink offering, a fourth of a hint of wine. Until the same day, until you have brought in the offering for, of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain, nor new growth. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. So that is the command that God gave. And all this is to say that this is the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Bikarim in Hebrew, or the Feast of the Omer, the Feast of the Sheaf. So there's a count of 49 days or seven weeks. Now in Jesus' day, the count started the day after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is according to the Pharisees. I'm not going to get into the debate between the Pharisees and Sadducees as to what God really meant here in these verses in Leviticus 23. But in Jesus' day, we know the way it was practiced that the Omer count started the day after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Let me give you an example. Suppose Passover is on a Tuesday. So the Passover lambs would be sacrificed about 3 p.m. on Tuesday, and then the sun would set. So now we have a new day. And that would be the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's the day that they would have their Passover meal, that evening after sundown. And the first day of Unleavened Bread was treated like a Sabbath. So in this example, if Tuesday was Passover and Wednesday was the first day of unleavened bread, it's like a Sabbath. It's not. It doesn't say that in the Bible. But the Pharisees treated it that way. And so therefore, we start counting the day after that Sabbath, according to the Pharisees, as we read in Leviticus 23.15. So that would be Thursday. Thursday would be the first day of the Omer. Or that's when the Omer count would begin. So they count this for 49 days, seven weeks. Now, since day 49 in our example is a Wednesday, you can do this yourself. It just so happens that the 49th day would also be a Wednesday. Therefore, Pentecost or Shavuot would be on a Thursday. That would be day 50. Now, if it's 30 AD, which is a possible year that Jesus was crucified. Not 33 AD. It could be. 
but more than likely 38 AD. That's not doctrine, you guys. That's only tradition. That Jesus died in 38, 33 AD is only tradition. There's an awful lot of mistakes in the tradition in the church, not understanding really the Jewish culture of Jesus' day. So it could be 30 AD, and I think it's likely. Now, if it's 30 AD, Passover was on a Thursday. This is in Jesus' day. Therefore, the first day of unleavened bread would be on a Friday, and the day after that would be a Saturday. And I say, whoops, this is the weekly Sabbath, and this is bigger than what they would, the Pharisees would say, that are the Sabbaths of the feasts. feasts. So it seems likely that because it's the weekly Sabbath, they would even move it one more day beyond that because you have a double Sabbath. The Pharisees would consider the first day of unleavened bread a Sabbath, and then the next day you have a Sabbath. So is it possible that they moved it? I think it's likely. So therefore, in 30 AD, it is a strong possibility that the count, the Omer count, would begin on that Sunday, the day after the weekly Sabbath as well. Again, we'd have seven weeks later. Day 49 would be on a Saturday. And day 50 would be on a Sunday. And that would be Pentecost or Shavuot. Now, if it's 33 AD, Passover's on a Friday. Saturday is the first day of unleavened bread. And on top of that, it's the Sabbath of the feast. From the Pharisees' point of view, it isn't because the Bible does not say that it's a Sabbath. But the way the Pharisees looked at it, they said it was a Sabbath. But it's also the weekly Sabbath. So we got a double Sabbath. So the day after is Sunday, and that definitely fits according to God's command. And that would be uh, the day of the count. That would be day one of the Omer count. And therefore, the 49th day in 33 AD would be on a Saturday, and Pentecost would fall on a Sunday. So there are 49 days as to God's command with regards to the countdown to determine the day of Shavuot, to determine the day of Pentecost. This is quite amazing. That Passover, the Feast of Beloved Bread, and now what we call the Feast of Bikarim determines when Shavuot is going to be. Now, even Jewish sources say they do not know when all of this started with using Psalm 67 during these days of the count of the Omer, because it has these 49 words and there's 49 days. But the practice continues today, especially in the synagogues, and indeed counting the days to Shavuot and reciting Psalm 67. It goes something like this. First of all, a blessing would be said. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melach hacholam Ashir kitchenu be'mitzvotav hitzivanu al sefrat ha'omer Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to count the omer. And then they would say, today is omer, and today just happens to be omer day 26, I believe. And then they recite, Psalm 67. Now, I bring all this up because there are some unbelievable connections 
to Jesus. Psalm 67, he has, has 49 words, and we see how the Jews said it's related to the Omer count. But it's also related to real events in Jesus' day that we, we know about, but we don't see how it's connected. Now, Jesus rose from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits. The Feast of First Fruits in 30 A.D., and 33 A.D. is in a Sunday. He rose on the first day of the week. You can check that out in the series called The Archaeology of Passover, Lesson 3. And in the session description for this podcast, I've linked you to archaeology, uh, the Archaeology of Passover, Lesson 3, so you can study that more. Now, with regards to the Feast of Bikurim, here, the Jewish people are thanking God for the bread of life, the harvest, the harvest of the first fruits. Bread was the staple in the Jewish diet, not meat. Meat was un- so expensive. They were more vegetable eaters, and bread was that staple. So bread was the, the food of life, the bread of life. They're bringing in barley. They would roast it according to the directions in the Torah. And on that Sunday, the day Jesus rose from the dead, the high priest would lift up roasted grain, roasted barley grain before God, thanking Yahweh, thanking the Lord for providing the bread of life, for providing the first fruits. Now, if you're one of Jesus' disciples, you perhaps remember Jesus saying the following. This is in John chapter 6, verses 32 to 33. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world they probably remember Jesus saying that, and it could very well be they're making some connections with the Feast of Bikrim or even the Feast of Shavuot. The Feast of Shavuot is also called the Feast of First Fruits because of the wheat harvest. But Jesus, he's raised on the Feast of Bikrim. He's raised from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits. Paul calls Jesus the first fruits of those who will rise the dead arise from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15.20. And then we recall Jesus' words in John chapter 6, verse 51. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's the bread of life bread of life is lifted up before the Father on the Feast of Bikurim. The bread of life, the true bread of life, is lifted up before the Father on the resurrection of Jesus. This is just so totally amazing. So, day one of the Omer is Jesus' resurrection. And we're counting down to Pentecost. A countdown. Huh. 
It's as if something big is about to happen. Something really big. It's almost as if God influenced his elect, his, his people, to pick Psalm 67 related to the Omercom. It's almost as if God did this. He's kind of shouting out to them and us about his son, Yeshua, during this countdown specifically after Jesus' resurrection. Let's take a look. Let's consider this. On day 40 of the count, in Jesus' day, after 40 days after the resurrection, we know something happens. Let's read it. This is in Acts chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So what we have right here in Acts chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, it is 40 days. Verse 9 of the same chapter talks about that after he speaks these things, he ascends to the Father. And then you can go to Luke chapter 24 and verse 50. And Luke is also writing about the ascension at that time. And Jesus had lifted up his hands and blessed his 120 disciples right before he ascends. I've been told that there's only one blessing in all of Judaism where anybody lifts their hands to bless people. And that is the blessing of the high priest that you find in number 6, 23 through 27. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his shalom. And you say, wait a minute. Those words of the blessing they're in Psalm 67, and right there in verse 1. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And on day 40, when he ascends to the Father, on day 40 of the Omer count, it is quite likely that Jesus blessed them with the high priestly blessing because he is the high priest. Not according to the Levitical priesthood, but a special priesthood the special priesthood of the kingdom. Wow. All of a sudden we make one connection. Psalm 67 to the blessing that Jesus did on day 40. But on day 40, he orders them according to the following. In verse 8, he's going to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Remo <laughs> this, this has got to remind them, the disciples, this has got to remind them of Isaiah 49.6. In Isaiah 49.6 we read, he says, meaning God says to his servant, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob 
and to restore the preserved ones of Israel, I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Now, if you actually take a look at the Septuagint translation of that verse in Isaiah, the Greek translation, it's the same Greek that's used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 for the remotest part of the earth. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we could talk about to the ends of the earth. The Greek is the translation of ends of the earth in Isaiah. But they also remember that Jesus is the way. He said it. You say, wait a minute, Jesus is the way. On top of that, in Isaiah 49.6, Jesus says, you're the light of, light of the world. Now he commands them, go to the ends of the earth. And as Isaiah 49.6, it says to take my salvation to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus' name, Yeshua. <laughs> Another amazing connection. That your way may be made known on the earth and your salvation, your Jesus among all nations, your salvation to the ends of the earth. Just an amazing, again, connection to Jesus and day 40 of the Omer count. Now, a little bit of instruction with regards to Hebrew. The Hebrew word am means, and its Strong's number is 6024. The Hebrew word am means a group belonging to a certain type of a group with a certain type of characteristic, like an ethnic group. So we'd say the Jews. That would be a group of people. The French would be another group of people. Uh, American Indians would be another group of people. Now the plural for that is amim, which is peoples, which is means a collection of groups like that. It could be a collection of groups of, of ethnic groups, which in Psalm 67 seems to imply all the peoples of the earth, all the ethnic groups. Now, the Hebrew word for Gentiles, Strong's number is 1471, is goim. But that's people who are not Jews. But it also stands for nations that are not Israel. Goim. So it can mean the peoples who are not Israelites are not Jews, or it can mean nations that are not Israel. Now, let's consider Jesus' words to go to the ends of the earth. He's, we're, we're to bring him, we're to bring the way, a way, to, a way to the Father, the salvation to all peoples and nations. And this is on day 40, of the Omer count. Now, understanding the Hebrew word am and understanding the Hebrew word goim, let's take a look at verses 3 through 4. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. In other words, all of the ethnic groups on the earth, meaning everyone, 
are to praise the Lord. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let all of the non-Jewish people be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with a brightness and guide the nations in the earth. I read it a little bit different. I kind of do this, and it's an equivalent translation. Let the Gentiles be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with a brightness. We're all going to be judged. That is quite definite. The righteous and the unrighteous will be judged together. And I think this relates to the next verse where it says, and guide the nations on the earth. Jesus is going to lead all nations to the judgment. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for those Goyim and Jews who are not part of that kingdom. This is this is so explosive. You, you can't make this stuff up. Psalm 67 is the song of salvation. Psalm 67, Hashir Yeshua, the song of Jesus, the song of Yeshua. Hashir HaMelech, the song of the king. Reading Psalm 67, verses 5 through 7. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Again, here we have peoples from all ethnic groups. Now, I just want to stop there because on day 50 of that period, remember, Jesus ascends on the Omer count day 40. Day 50, because of the Omer count, is going to be Shavuot that year or Pentecost. And when we take a look at what happened on that day, we start reading about this. And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we are born? This is in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speak in our own tongue, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Wait a minute. That's a people group. A people group with a certain characteristic language is a people group. And in Acts chapter 2, we're talking about Amim, the peoples. Each group of people with a separate language. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. It happened. It happened on that Pentecost, on day 50 of that Omer count in Jesus' day. And then the earth has yielded its produce? The Hebrew word there is Yevu. Strong's number 2981. It has the conceptual meaning of earth giving up its fruit, its wealth, its crops, its harvest. I like the idea that fruit was used by one scholar. The earth has given up its fruit. Yeah, Yeshua. Day one of the Omer. It was the beginning of the count. It was the day of first fruits. It was the barley harvest. The earth has yielded up its barley harvest. And then we get to that verse. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us. Day one of the Omer. 
the first fruits. Yeshua rises from the dead. The true bread of life, as we read in chapter 6, the first blessing. And now we start counting down to the big day. Day 50. Shavuot, Pentecost. It's also called the Feast of First Fruits. Because it's the wheat harvest. And this was the coming of Ruach HaKodesh, the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. It's the second blessing. The first blessing is Jesus rising from the dead, the true bread of life, victorious over death, who will be returning to us as King of kings and Lord of lords. But he promised us the second blessing, the second blessing on the second feast of first fruits, the coming of Ruach HaKodesh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So we have two blessings, the blessing of Yeshua and the blessing of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now the truth of the word can go forth. Because Jesus said to them in Acts 1.8, stay here until you receive the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power to go to the ends of the earth, to all the nations to proclaim, to proclaim Elohei Yeshua Adonai, our God Jesus, the Lord. The ends of the earth will be in awe of the Lord. They will be in fear of the Lord. That Hebrew word yireh can mean fear. It could also mean awe. Yeah, when Jesus comes that second time, all the nations of the earth will be in fear and awe. We might call it shock and awe. Was this God's intention? That Psalm 67 would be used this way by his people, the Jewish people? to connect to the Omer count? What, was it God's intention somehow that through the Jewish people then it would be used by us to the specific Omer count of Jesus' day and Jesus' resurrection? It seems like he did. Regardless, whether it was that way or not, the connections are amazing. Today, God is helping us like never before to reconnect to our shosharim, to our roots, the places where this all began. It's time for all of us Christians, all of us disciples of Jesus to begin, to begin doing this, to count the Omer, to recite 67 every day of the count. We need to begin to remember the first blessing of Jesus' resurrection as the first fruits and the second blessing, the coming of his spirit. And in this way, we can remember Jesus, who's the way. Jesus, who, God's, who is God's salvation. His Yeshua. Shalom.